Hello everyone and welcome back to That's Lame, the equestrian podcast for horse girls from horse girls. Welcome back everyone. Hello everyone and welcome back to the podcast. We are very excited today to be joined by Tara who is the founder of Mochara which is an equestrian fashion brand. Thank you so much for having me. That's okay, we're very (laughs) excited to have you on. So Tara, tell us a little bit about yourself. Put you on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Tara, I'm 25 and like you said I'm the founder of female equestrian and activewear brand Mochara. I've been doing it now for since 2019 so just over four years now, it's gone so quickly. I like to spend my time eventing with my horse Buddy who I've had for nearly seven years now which sounds ridiculous because it feels like only yesterday that I got him but yeah so I spend my time eventing with him the brand is named after him so Mochara means my friend in Gaelic and him being called Buddy and Irish as well so it all links together. That's so cute that you named it after (laughs) your horse. Yeah I mean it was always going to be something to do with my horse because everyone loves their horse don't they but and like it took so long to to come up with a name but it sounds so cheesy that when when you find the right name like you know it is that makes sense i think machara as a name is a beautiful name for a brand yeah i always well i wanted it to be just like one kind of one word not i, I wanted it to be easy to say which is ironic because we were literally <laughs> just talking about <laughs> how to pronounce the name but you know you get some brands that have like these really difficult names and you don't even know how to like read them or pronounce them so yeah we wanted something really simple that had a bit of a meaning and backstory and one word names as well it's sort of like Beyonce or like Madonna yeah. it's like <laughs> yeah. easier to remember yeah and, and I guess you can out. say it's like it's a bit of a talking point like how you pronounce it Nike Nike Adidas Adidas yeah. yeah so yeah it gets people talking so did you start the brand presumably when you were a student then yes yeah, so I went to Hartbury did equestrian sports science at Hartbury. I got the idea whilst I was there, I was in my third year and I kept Buddy with me there in first year and I was constantly changing outfits between like the yard, lectures, the gym and then just like day-to-day activities like meeting friends for coffee or something. So I, I wanted clothes that would kind of take you between all of those activities and everything in the market at the time was really heavily branded like with the words equestrian all over it so nothing that you could really wear out of an equestrian setting so you couldn't go and go to the supermarket or something dressed in your yard clothes because you'd get like funny looks by people so yeah I wanted clothes that you could just would take you through a day through all these different activities and then I got to third year and that was when I was like okay let's actually try and try and do this and it was I went so I went to Olympia with my mum just for a fun day out and I we were walking around the shopping and I was like oh, it would be really cool if I could work on a stand one day, you know, it would be a really good way to earn some money as a student. And I was like, no, actually, it would be even cooler if I could actually have my own brand here. And so, yeah, it kind of went from there. So that was in December and then the brand launched the following June. So really quite quickly, actually. So how did that happen then with finals and also trying to like, set up a business? Like, <laughs> lots of stress. Like, a big task. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of stress. And at the time I hadn't told anyone about it. It was literally just myself and my family and like one friend that knew about it because it's not something that you really want to talk about until it actually happens. So yeah, it was a lot of just running around frantically, getting work done, revision for exams, dissertation, but also trying to set up a business. You said you started in 2019. How did Mm -hmm. you cope with COVID? 
So we were really lucky that we launched just before COVID happened. So we went out slightly crazy, but we decided to do Hoys and Olympia that year. So we'd been going like three months and then went to Hoys. Really lucky that we did because that's how we got our name out there. And then COVID hit and actually people like knew of us. So continued to shop with us. Everyone still had horses. We were allowed to exercise. Like that was one of the only things that we were actually allowed to do. So people were still buying active wear. But had we have not gone to those two shows, I think it would have been quite a different story because no one would have really known who we were and how did you go about setting up because obviously it's all well and good having an idea in your mind and like coming up with a name but actually like the items of clothing the fabrics the branding of it all like how did that happen yeah so at the end of the day I was kind of just designing for myself as selfish as that sounds but I, I was so I knew exactly what I wanted I just had to put an idea into physical product that makes it sound really easy when it's, it really wasn't but yeah it's just sampling like going out and sampling so many different things and just heavily testing everything obviously like riding is such a physically demanding sport that you need stuff that's going to be durable and like live up to the physical demands of the sport so yeah it was just lots of sampling riding and the stuff obviously me myself I've only got one horse so trying to even if I was riding in the stuff every day it's not really enough so I'm really lucky that one of my best friends actually freelances and um, she rides kind of eight to ten horses a day so as soon as we have something to test it goes straight to her and she I'm just like get on as many horses as possible in this item of test it and that's exactly what she does. So did you go to like factories to look at fabrics and like the actual manufacturing side of it how did you actually create an outfit? Yeah so we never actually visited factories we work with an amazing lady that owns factories in China she's English which obviously avoids the language barrier our technical products are made over in China but she's like our kind of woman on the grounds over there ensures that everything's done properly ethically sustainably and makes it so much easier and then our cotton products are made in Turkey so we've never actually been to the factory but again it's an English guy that we've become really good friends with like we look after his dog when he's away on holiday so so when you're designing clothes how do you do it do you draw it down or it, it's got a lot more serious now but at the beginning it was very much like I had an idea and we'd just go and find something that was kind of as close to my idea as possible whereas now it's a lot more technical you do the drawings CAD drawings yeah it's a lot more technical now so we've spoken a little bit about how you started the brand Machara we were just wondering what was the biggest challenge for you with regards to starting a fashion brand I don't know I would say probably just like getting your name out there like I said before we were really lucky that we did go to those two shows Olympia and Hoys but that was such a bold move being such a new brand but yeah trying to get your name out there is quite difficult and like you guys were saying before we started about your podcast trying to get your name out there that's that is the hardest thing but I mean social media is so powerful especially now we got straight onto social media and then once you've kind of built up like your good loyal followers it just keeps growing and growing. Do you find that it kind of snowballs in the like if someone with a big following loves your brand and your clothing and they post photos of them wearing it do you find then that you get more sales is that how it works or does it not really correlate I think possibly when we first launched yes but social media has kind of progressed really quite quickly almost a bit too quickly that now influencers 
have also become quite a big thing that some of them not all of them but some of them do want to work with a lot of different brands or I say different but a lot of similar brands in the same kind of industries so it almost loses the authenticity almost so yeah to an extent it does affect sales in a good way but also when you see a certain creator promoting lots of similar brands people kind of cotton on to the fact that oh are they just doing it as an ad or do they actually like the clothing themselves because I can remember the days when it was just sponsored mm-hmm. and it was like you had to be a good rider and then you were sponsored by this mm-hmm. one brand and then yeah. the sponsorships were so tight that you couldn't have anything else exactly yeah and you're like contracted into certain sponsorships yeah. whereas now I think being an influencer the way you make your money is by working with lots of brands or some people want to work with lots of brands some people do just want to work with like one brand that they are actually a fan of there's pros and cons to yeah because I suppose there's I mean there aren't many equestrian influencers Mm, and because it is such a small niche market yeah niche market there are quite a few brands that want to work with these influencers so you do often see them working with lots of brands yeah so when they post like oh my god these are my favourite leggings and it's like the third company that month Mm -hmm. you're kind of going wait like yeah yeah I wouldn't say we do loads with creators we work with a few Meg Elphick is really good and she doesn't work with lots of brands so you know what she's posting is really authentic but yeah we are really quite selective over like who we work with okay so moving back to the creation of the clothing how do you keep Machara sustainable and what like steps have you got in the future because I feel like sustainability and saving the planet is now so relevant Mm. in our generation yeah it's become such a big thing which is really good in answer to your question since day one we've used we've never used plastic it's always paper mailing bags corn bags that the clothing comes come in and then in May 2022 we switched all of our core products over to recycled fabrics so they still have the same look and feel like you wouldn't actually know when you touch them that they're made from recycled fabrics but they're all registered to the global recycled standard which basically means that so to to be able to register with this standard your products have to be made with at least 20 percent of recycled fabrics but ours are made from over 75 percent. so we're doing it properly oh, that's amazing <laughs> yeah so it's things down from like to the fabric itself to like the zippers the trims the threads as well as your packaging we're also accredited by registration called okiotex which basically suggests that your things are made in sustainable and ethical practices. They're not made with like harmful and toxic substances. You don't have to wash them the first time that you wear them. God, makes me want to buy it more. <laughs> <laughs> so which item would you say is your favourite that you've created? I get asked this question all the time. I never have a proper answer for it because I love everything. <laughs> I'm so biased, but... I'd probably say our half-zip sweatshirts. I mean, that's kind of what we're known for. Like the quarter zips. The quarter zips, yeah. yeah. My mum just bought one last week, actually. Really? Yeah. We've had those since day one. We we launched with three colours of them. Now we've got, I think, something like 15 or 16 different colours. But that's I think that's how you know it's a good product, because we've not made any changes to them whatsoever. They've stayed in our cool range, but we've just had to bring out so many different colours of them. We'll bring out our new colour. So just before Ho- Hoys, we launched three new colours. And the forest green, we sold out of like two sizes on the first day. And each time we order these, increase the order by a significant amount and it's just never enough. But you just can't predict. I think as the brand grows and our orders are increasing, you just can't predict like how much you're going to sell. No matter how much we order, we end up selling out, which is a good problem to have, I guess. (laughs) But yeah, that's definitely 
like a staple of ours and I'd say it's my favourite because I got the idea when I was at Hartbury we weren't allowed to wear hoodies on the yard there, I couldn't find a suitable alternative that was nice to look at comfortable not ridiculous money but also good quality so yeah I got the idea there and I think now everyone just likes not everyone wants to ride in a hoodie it's not considered particularly smart when you go training it must great. be so rewarding seeing other people wearing your clothes or saying no it is, is I that all, like the best part of having a I think bag? so yeah I always say like before I launched this brand if you'd if I'd ever have gone out in public and someone was wearing the same top as me or something I'd be like oh my god that's so embarrassing <laughs> but now if I saw a girl walking down the street in a the same Mochara jumper I'd be like wow she's got the same jumper on as me it's so cool <laughs> yeah so it like changes your whole yeah definitely like, changes yeah absolutely so when you're saying that the sizes get sold out what size do you sell the most of I think it depends on the product so half zips it's always medium everyone seems to want a medium sweatshirt but leggings it tends to be I mean the leggings are so stretchy that basically one size could practically fit everyone so leggings it tends to be small extra small and small do you find that clothes of a larger size don't sell so much just thinking about like we've wanted to talk about in the past about weight and mm-hmm. horse riding and mm-hmm. how it can affect that because there's a lot being said yeah about no that, that's there. a really good point but no I don't think so there's not enough brands that cater for all sizes so I think when someone finds a brand that caters for them they almost stick to it I mean the most popular sizes are like I said small and medium but we go from we've just launched a kids range so we now go from age seven to nine all the way through to double xl which is so important because you need to cater for everyone and how was that at the beginning because obviously presumably when you started the brand you Mm -hmm. can't have like hundreds of one product did you have to be quite selective with yeah the we, items that you had yeah definitely we did launch with a fairly decent range of products which we've still i mean like i said before the half zips we've still got now the leggings we've still got now we've just increased our size range and our colors at the end of the day i was designing for myself stuff that i wanted and i mean i've probably got quite a basic <laughs> sense of fashion <laughs> as much as i hate to admit it but people tend to like what we put out which is great So circling back to how it was at the beginning of creating a brand, did you ever have people that sort of dismissed your idea or thought that you were a bit sort of in over your head and trying to create a brand like that? And if so, how did you deal with that? I would say in the industry, no, but like out of the industry, like if I was telling like my dad's friends or something, then they would kind of, I don't know, they would never say anything personally, but you could almost tell that they kind of look at you like, oh, you're a young girl. Did they try and like mansplain? to you how to start business (laughs) yeah yeah and I mean my dad as well like he's a business owner so he he loves to like get involved and I mean he now works full-time with us he sold his business kind of about a year into to to us launching but I don't want to say he said anything negative because he was all for (laughs) it but there was definitely the view that like being a young girl in business you are thrown in the deep end which is probably true I mean now I wouldn't say it's so true now but definitely a few years back it, it was I only bring it up because I think sometimes we feel like that with this podcast in that people only are all for an idea if it becomes a success yeah but when it's starting at the beginning mm-hmm. and it's just taking off it's very easy for those on the outside to sort of yeah. be like oh, what but are they doing that's so yeah, silly I, I at times I did question myself as well because I don't want to do it I never want to do anything badly it's your own business it, it looks badly directly on you doesn't it so yeah at times I question myself like oh is this the right idea but I love what I do now so <laughs> it was worth it so my question is completely different 
do you have like a warehouse that you keep everything and how big is like the Machara operation team so I mean this will make you laugh but when we first launched it was literally we were working out of our house like the spare bedrooms (laughs) would all be stock rooms at at one point like we had a big shipment arrive and our living room turned into a a stock room so like we were kind of living around the stock we were living yeah Yeah. pretty much (laughs) whereas now so a, a few years later or a couple of years later we outsourced all of our warehousing to a third party logistic company which was great um, what does that mean in idiot terms? So <laughs> a so basically another company sends out all of our orders for us. So okay. all the warehousing is kept away from home and they take care of all of the orders. So a shipment would arrive in, they would put it into stock and then any order that comes in from customers, they would take care of which was I mean it had pros and cons I remember the first Black Friday after they took over and we literally just sat there with our feet up on the desk watching the orders coming in knowing that we didn't have to pack them I'd say a downside to it is that they don't have the same levels of care as you do like I I would say the business is practically like a baby I've had it since day one so like when someone else is not caring as much as you do it's, it's quite frustrating and also it's quite easy to lose track of the orders that are coming in from customers when we're packing them in-house it's so easy to see like what people are ordering what colors are popular what sizes are popular but when someone else is doing it for you it it goes over your head and you don't really pay attention to it but anyway so we brought the warehousing back home I call it home but we've now got our own warehouse near to home so it's all done in-house we do it ourselves which is great I think I prefer it it's hard work but we've got a great team so it gets done <laughs> does it mean as well that you've just got more control over yeah it all absolutely yeah you've you've got the control and any mistakes i mean mistakes are rare with orders but any mistakes is it's our fault and there's no one else to blame but ourselves which is i mean it's frustrating if you make a mistake but it's so much easier to be angry at yourself and your own team rather than someone else have you ever had any like negative feedback or backlash from your time running a business yeah i mean we've been really lucky i'd say we've got a really good customer service team so if we ever have any problems they're taken care of really really well i'd say one example of where things did go a bit wrong was last year on black friday royal mail went on strike it suddenly became such a big thing no one realized how many problems it was going to cause and obviously when customers order on black friday they want their items straight away so as soon as we realized how big the problem was we switched all of our shipping over to dpd i mean i spent hours on the phone to royal mail trying to get through to them but obviously there were thousands of other businesses that also had the same problem so then we had a few angry customers like oh where's my order but as soon as we explain the problem to them everyone is really understanding so yeah we pride ourselves on our customer service which i think is so important because you know how frustrating it is like when you go onto a website and you're talking to a robot or someone that doesn't speak english and yeah it's very frustrating so how many people are there in the machara team like is it you your parents so it's very very much a family orientated business originally it was myself and my mom came on board and then like I said about a year later my dad sold his business and came on board I'd say we outsource some of our our work but we've literally just as of a couple of weeks ago we've got a marketing officer now in-house so there's probably about six of us I would say and then I've got an amazing team of girls that work the shows as well so they're all friends of mine and they chip in when when we need them which is great but yeah it's a very close-knit team but I like it like that you've got all the control yeah so just talking about shows how do you find working at these big shows because we spoke a little bit about Poison Olympia in one of the last episodes and from like a retailer's point of view Mm -hmm. what is it like being at shows like that 
chaos. <laughs> is it? Uh, yeah, I love doing the shows. I, I mean, I, I absolutely love doing them, but they are slightly chaotic. Like, to put things into perspective, the other day at Hoy's, so we were staying off-site, but on-site I had we had a whole story there with us with lots of food in there, so that we were eating, because it's so easy to just go and buy food and you spend ridiculous amounts of money on, like, really unhealthy food. So in the whole story I had, like, eggs, avocado, salmon, I was like, right, on the Saturday I'm going to have a really big breakfast, healthy breakfast, set me up for the day, because Saturday at Hoy's is always so busy. Anyway, come 9am when the shopping opens, just hundreds of people flood in, and I was like, I'm not going to be able to eat a thing today so I literally about 20 yards away from us opposite our stand was the pick and mix stand which was handy probably not a good thing but so I live at these shows I live off chocolate covered raisins because they they just get me through the only time I eat chocolate covered raisins is at the shows but they just see me through the day and then I finally I think ate my breakfast at six o'clock in the evening that day but you're just going off adrenaline like pure adrenaline and the day goes so quickly because you're just running around frantically I mean I'm probably not very good in that I always prioritize the girls on the stand I'm like oh you take a break because they are hard work you're on your feet practically all day they are draining the shows in a good way but I'm like oh you go and take take a break and I'll never give myself a break so I every time we get back from a show I seem to be ill because I'm just so run down but I love doing them I genuinely do enjoy it they're crazy they're hectic they're long days you're on the stand from 8 30 in the morning through to like 10 30 at night some days I'm really not selling it <laughs> but, <laughs> but they are so much fun there's just yeah. a buzz and like at Olympia as well just before the interval you spend your time restocking and then in the interval everyone just pours out and you've got like 20 minutes of pure chaos but it's great <laughs> would you say that you sell more at these big shows than you do online it depends on the show Okay. Hoy's in yeah. Olympia, or I call it Olympia, Lon- now London horse I think show. We all just I think everyone horses. Yeah. <laughs> they're the big ones and they're pre-Christmas so you know that people are there to spend but at the same time the people that aren't attending those shows are also doing the shopping online because again it's Christmas time so yeah it really depends. Would you say that you have periods in the year that are really busy so like presumably Christmas you must get a lot of sales Mm -hmm. like is there any other time of year that like yeah so obviously Christmas come September people are Christmas shopping already which is crazy I end up doing my Christmas shopping after London Hall show because that's all the time I've got but yeah people some people are thinking of Christmas in September January then is actually really busy I always thought January would be a bit of a dead month because people have spent for Christmas but actually people have vouchers they've got Christmas money that they want to spend Christmas day is one of our busiest days for orders, which is, you so That's wouldn't... so bad, isn't it? It is. <laughs> it is really bad. But I think people get Christmas money, they get vouchers. They just want to spend it straight away, which is fair enough. But yeah, everyone's sat on their phone in, phones doing some Christmas shopping. <laughs> and then I suppose come January, it's like everyone's going, right, I'm going to be motivated. Like, I'm going to buy myself a nice little Exactly. Outfit. Yeah, everyone wants to get in the gym, so they yeah. want to get <laughs> gym wear. Everyone's looking for sales. So that's when we tend to have a big end of year sale, which everyone loves as well. Um, love a sale. Yeah, who doesn't love a sale? <laughs> so being a, you know, girl boss in fashion fashion... <laughs> and running a business and everything at just 25. How do you fit in having your own horse and having a social life around that? It's hard. (laughs) It's really hard. (laughs) 
I heard someone say the other day that businesses don't care about your social life, which is so true. If you want to go out and have fun with friends or something, it's not going to run itself. So, I mean, there's definitely pros and cons to running your own business. I didn't want to work your typical job because I didn't want to work a nine to five. Ironically, now I work significantly longer hours than I would have done. I mean, I spend, I work weekends, I work ridiculous hours, but I can also be really flexible. So I can go out and ride my horse in the middle of the day if I want to. I just, I start earlier, finish later, or I work a bit on the weekend. But yeah, it is hard. I only have one phone. I probably should have a work phone and a normal phone. My friend and I booked a trip to Paris literally one night. We booked it about six months ago. And I was like, oh, we can book it for September time. There's a couple of weeks in September where I've got nothing on. It's perfect time to go. I won't be busy with work. I can just switch off and enjoy myself. Yeah, nice. Typically, <laughs> two weeks before we went, suddenly my diary like filled up with stuff. I was like, oh God, how am I going to go to Paris now and enjoy myself yeah. when I've got all this work on? We had Horse and Country co- contact us about, um, they were doing a TV show. Oh my God. And they God. were looking for a clothing sponsor. Cool. So we were their headline sponsors. And obviously I couldn't say no to that opportunity because yeah. it's a great opportunity. But it was happening while I was in Paris. So it was, I think they were filming for about four or five days. So I literally got back from Paris at midnight, slept for two hours, three hours, and then drove up to Sirencester to be there for the filming. So yeah, it was slightly chaotic. I spent like my free time in Paris, like when we were sat in the Uber, traveling from place to place, doing emails, but you make it work. Yeah. If it's your own business, you make it work. So could you give us like a breakdown of like what your average day slash week sort of mm. looks like? Oh, every day is so different. That's probably not a good answer, but every day is really different. What did you do yesterday, for example? Oh <laughs> <laughs> now you're making me think. <laughs> so I kind of, I'd say I do a bit of everything. So I'd usually do a couple of calls with like our marketing team or our design team each day. So I'd say that takes up like three hours a day and then go and do my homework (laughs) after like those calls go and do what I need to do to make things happen I still do lots with the social media I like to be really involved I probably should offload some of these jobs onto other people but (laughs) typical me if you enjoy doing it I do yeah I do enjoy doing it I think you get a better sense of the brand when the founder is heavily involved in lots of different aspects like I would never want to isolate myself say just to the design side of the business or just to the social side of the business I want to dip in and out of everything and just make sure things are being done like how I like it so that the brand stays quite authentic yeah that's really nice though that you're so heavily involved and I think listeners will like that because I think Mm. people like to feel like there's a person at the end like you said earlier and that's why I like working the shows as well some people have said to me before oh do you think it looks professional you being on the stand should you let other people run the business and you just kind of you know step aside and work behind the scenes but I think people really appreciate seeing me on the stand and I think for me it's really good because you learn so much from your customer as well just overhearing conversations between them and their friends you learn like what products they might want what colors they like and it's just nice meeting your customers as well like we deal with so many people via email and social media that actually meeting these people in in real life is really nice and I think they appreciate seeing myself on the stand as well and actually being able to talk to them yeah I like that nice (laughs) just so just circling all the way back do you ever give yourself like phone free evenings or do you find yourself like the temptations just keep going long into the night when you know that you kind of you need a break yourself to like recover from what you're doing type thing or do you find that you can just keep going 
I find it quite hard to switch off. So when I've got lots on, I think it affects my sleep quite a lot. My mind is just racing that like, I'm not a particularly stressy person at all. I don't like not having lots to do. So I almost like being slightly stressed. I'm more productive. (laughs) That's such a bad thing to say, but it definitely (laughs) makes me more productive. But yeah, it is quite hard to switch off. Like I said, I've only got one phone, so I see emails coming through constantly and maybe I should change that. But I don't know, at the moment it's working how we're doing it. But as the business continues to grow, then yeah, I need to probably be stricter with myself and allow myself a bit of downtime. (laughs) (laughs) So very excitingly, this episode is going to go live when the pop-up shop is happening Mm. on Oxford Street which is so exciting so do you want to tell us a little bit more about that yeah so slightly crazy idea it's something that's never been done in the equestrian industry before but it's something we've wanted to do for a while now and I think we're finally at the stage that we're ready to do it and we always say like the brand is not just for riders so it appeals to everyone in the sport but also outside of the sport as well so what better way to showcase your products than by taking it to Oxford Street London hopefully loads of our customers will come but I think we'll attract a lot of people just off the street as well. You wouldn't necessarily look at the brand and the products and think that it's an equestrian brand. So it will yeah. attract normal everyday people. Yeah, they're, the then they're not going to be riding their horse in exactly. to the shop. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's but, yeah, it's really exciting. It's slightly unknown how it's going to go because like I said it's never been done before, but it's really exciting and it's a bit of a, a breakthrough moment for us as a brand, but also a bit of a breakthrough moment for the equestrian industry as well because I mean Oxford Street is I've grown up going to London and going shopping on Oxford Street. Like it's it's a really cool place. So, yeah. I'm just so excited to see our name on a sign outside of shop on Oxford Street. Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah. So, how did you get that idea? I've known about pop-up shops for a long time and customers and people and friends of mine always say to us like will you ever have a shop and I think as much as I would love to have a physical store all the time I think society's moved on from that and people are just people want to shop online but I think there are times of the year particularly coming up to Christmas where people do like going shopping people get such a buzz like going Christmas shopping and now that we're in end of October like it's the perfect time for people to go shopping yeah it should be really cool is there anything exciting to expect at the pop-up shop that loyal Makara customers might not be expecting yeah so we've got Meg Elphick doing a meet and greet which will be really really fun I mean she's got an amazing fan base and loads and loads of followers that just love to come and meet her so hopefully we'll get lots of people there excited to see her we've also teamed up with a jewelry brand new hoops who i've been a massive fan i saw that online and i was like oh my god yeah i'm wearing their earrings right now (laughs) they're great and they're such like a complimentary brand as well obviously we wanted to take another brand with us to just maximize the marketing opportunities and get as many people interested as possible i mean everyone loves jewelry and it's coming up to christmas so what better present to get than jewelry so and they've got a big customer base as well so they'll bring their customers bring ours and yeah they're very complimentary to us which is great and for you where do you see machara going like where do you hope it will be in a few years time god i get asked this question all the time and i never know what to say because (laughs) the way it's going at the moment is just is great if it carries on growing the way that it is now then yeah i'll be really happy but i also want to remain involved in the brand i don't want to you see some brands growing way too quickly they kind of lose their authenticity whereas i want our brand to stay true to what we are and how we were when we first launched but in terms of products there's so many different things i mean i'm such a dreamer like there's so many different things i would love to bring out but 
obviously. Oh my god, like what? Oh god, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I can say what I want to do because I might spoil the surprises here. But there's, I mean, I always have ideas for new things. It's just time, money. There's so many different factors. Like you've, and you don't want to grow too quickly either. So yeah, obviously you've got to pace yourself. And So you mentioned that you've opened up a line for children. Mm-hmm. Would you ever delve into like maybe a, a clothing line men's. for like men? Yeah. yeah. So I think I, I would love to do men's and I do get people saying to me all the time like are you ever going to do men's there's definitely a gap in the market for a, for a good men's range but men are not your typical shoppers I think with men they find a brand and they just stick to one brand or it's like their partners girlfriends wives buying for them so there's definitely a gap in the market but it would be a hard market to break into if that makes sense so I don't know I've definitely toyed on the idea of doing it to be continued (laughs) definitely if you can hear rain in the background i'm really sorry there's a thunderstorm going on and you know what yeah it's not pleasant out there is it no you know if you listen to this in your stable while you're mucking out and you can hear rain it's probably not raining where you are it's raining with us but anyway we have a listener question for you and it's kind of about the old style elegance of equestrian fashion Mm -hmm. not so old school with like the balloon jumpers. Mm -hmm. do you ever feel like you want to keep that in your brand or do you enjoy and like moving forward with the times i think equestrianism as a sport has modernized significantly recently but there are always going to be customers that like that traditional kind of side of it so we always keep like the muted colors in our core range because some people don't like color at the same time we've never had your classic jodhpurs because i think people are moving away from that if you ask a non-horsey person to describe an equestrian they'd probably describe like your typical traditional classic jodhpurs polo shirt but actually things have really changed since then well that's Um, what i was about to say because actually the high-end fashion brands so like mm -hmm. ralph lauren and chanel they often like dip into the whole yeah. question side of things or is it Stella McCartney they're really old-fashioned mm. with their marketing behind that yeah and I saw a video of this like influencer who was going for a riding lesson and they weren't horsey or anything and they mm-hmm. were wearing like head to toe in like a designer brand yeah and it was it was all the really like old-fashioned sort of like yeah. a blazer and like all of that and I thought that's so interesting that actually now real life contemporary equestrians like we're so Mm -hmm. we're more modernized but actually like the high-end fashion brands or like the people that are looking at horses from the outside yeah they're still thinking it's still like that this is going to sound really controversial but those kind of brands their customers aren't your classic equestrian like yeah you wouldn't see them mucking out stables for example would you not in a Ralph Lauren card exactly no that's the thing that it was so that's what was so funny about this video and that's why my friend actually sent it to me because she just thought no one in their right mind would go for a riding lesson it's so impractical yeah Yeah. it's so funny yeah but then maybe if you can afford those clothes then you can afford to get poussins on them or something or yeah you're not going to be mucking out stables (laughs) but yeah the practicality side of it I think mm-hmm. is so it's so much better than it was because yeah. and like phone pockets oh so good everyone has their phone on them all the time now but throw back to like a few years ago before leggings existed leggings with phone pockets where did you put your phone so I think yeah it's very much modernized recently I think it will continue to modernize but it's important to me that we do keep a few elements in there like muted colors and some traditional kinds of pieces just going slightly off topic but still on topic two things that i would like you to make so that i can <laughs> yeah. buy them please one underwear 
Yeah. And show jacket. Show jacket. Which one would underwear- be easier? <laughs> Which would be easier? I don't know. <laughs> underwear I would rather do. Yeah. Because there's more of a market for it. Show jackets, I would say there's such a big market already that you'd be fighting against the big brands. Yeah. I would love to be able to go out competing in my own show jacket, but maybe a few years down the line. And I just wanted to ask, if you had advice for anyone wanting to start a business within mm-hmm. the equestrian world, whether it's fashion or something else, mm-hmm. what would your main bit of advice be? Find a niche. Because, yeah, find something, find a niche. Ask yourself, what am I doing that's different to other people? Like, how can I sell my product? How is it different? But also find something that you're really passionate about as well. Because at the end of the day, you've got to love what you're doing. That sounds so cheesy, but you really have to enjoy what you're doing. And I feel like I'm not working a day in my life because I'm combining my two favourite things, horses and fashion. So yeah, find something you're really passionate about and you've got to enjoy it. And then you'll put the graft in. So time for a question that we ask all of our guests. Tara, what is your equestrian ick? So my equestrian ick would be when, now I'm definitely guilty of doing this myself before, (laughs) but like when you're scrolling through Instagram on the weekend or something, I don't know if you would get it so much in dressage, but with eventing or show jumping, when you're reading someone's like event report on the weekend and it says, oh, I would have won the class, but I had a pole down. Oh, I've definitely said that before. Say, um, I, I've seen eventers do this a lot when they say, "Not our result on paper." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what does that even mean? Yeah, no, I've. I mean, I, I don't let myself say it anymore. But it's it's literally the story of my life. Like, Buddy will go out and do a great dressage test. He's very consistent cross country. Nine times out of ten, we'll have a pole down show jumping because it's just not our strong phase, and it will cost us a top three placing. But I just can't allow myself because if I was putting that out on social media, it would everyone would be reading it. Every event report, me saying I would have won, but I had a pole down. And like, if I ever say it in the lorry on the way home, my mum will literally scream at me and she'll be like, well, you had the pole down, so you can't say that. That's funny because when you say like that's an eventing terms because we had a guest on Charlie McDowell who mm-hmm. was a medical student and she said a similar ick oh, with really? dressage but it was that people say oh one judge had us because like the yes, high level shows yeah. you have like five judges mm-hmm. and she said that her ick's when people say oh w- yeah. one judge had us on 70% yeah. and Charlie's or, like yeah but it's an average so that doesn't make yeah. sense you didn't get that yeah or when people say like oh the judge I was like last to go before their lunch break or something so she was probably hungry so they marked me down <laughs> like come on <laughs> your test wasn't very good <laughs> just admit defeat yeah. okay you, you came last yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's, what are your icks oh um mine is the phrase a horse of a lifetime because uh, mm-hmm. unless you're Love dead that. you're not gonna know yeah. so ask me on my deathbed and <laughs> Evs what was yours I, know, I remembered your one because that's like quite a controversial one because I think loads of people yeah. write that or like yeah, one definitely. in a million stuff like that yeah. I think my one was when people refer to their horses as it oh. yeah. and like I make certain exceptions with that in that like if you don't know if it's a mare mm-hmm. gelding like mm-hmm. I just did then you might say oh it's or it Yeah. but it's when people do it all the time yeah. about their own horse oh it did this it did that and for yeah. me it's very like symbolic that they yeah, don't definitely. really see their horse as like yeah a person. as a pet yeah or, do you yeah. know what I mean I'm a bit like oh I don't really like yeah, that yeah that's a good one oh and then we had one that was like oh I don't like it when like you know they get off and kick their horse in the stomach when it's done badly and we were like no that's just abuse yeah that's not <laughs> that that's not an ick that's in the just, RSPCA yeah, that's just wildly wrong <laughs> yeah. like you shouldn't do that 
Alrighty then, guys. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of That's Lame. We hope you've enjoyed it. And also, we hope that a lot of you are currently on the way to Oxford Street to go to the pop-up shop to go and meet Tara and everyone there. And it's just going to be so exciting. And yeah. you guys are coming along We're as well. We're going too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week. Love you, bye. bye.